The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. What's your risk number? Find your true north. On the Vantage Point with True North Wealth Partners podcast, you'll find financial tips, insights, and information to help you plan for your future. True North Wealth Partners has locations in Dublin and Wooster, Ohio, while serving clients nationwide. Dedicated to God, country, clients, and family. To learn more about the Vantage Point with True North Wealth Partners podcast, visit MyTrueNorthWP.com. That's MyTrueNorthWP.com. True North Wealth Partners. Welcome home. Hey guys, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions like how do I record an episode? How do I get my show into the apps all the people like to listen to? And how do I make money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's called Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and extremely easy to use. And now... Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I've been using Anchor now for, oh, almost a year, and I really enjoy it. It's a lot easier than any of the other podcast apps I've ever tried. And again, it's free, guys. It really is free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, So if you want to get started on a podcast and making money doing it, then go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. Anchor, the best way to podcast. This is Jared Sandler, and you're listening to the Ranger Report Podcast. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here's your host, Ben Dieter. All right, everyone, we're talking to Jared Sandler of the Rangers Radio Network and a lot of other things. Does Jared, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So let's start right away with the 2020 season. What was it like for you guys calling games during this season with no fans and, you know, being in separate rooms and all the other things you had to do this year. Yeah, it was definitely a different experience. Like a lot of things in 2020, it's something that, uh, you know, we had not done before and and hopefully uh, we won't have to do again. I guess we'll have to wait and see on that, but uh, it was a different experience, but I guess, uh, you know, when you consider, where we were maybe in April and May when there was some doubt as to whether there'd be a season. I think uh, at the end of the day, uh, even if the conditions were not ideal, uh, we're just happy that there was some semblance of a season. And, you know, as we talk now, obviously a World Series champion's been crowned and and glad that uh, we were able to see the season through. So, uh, again, definitely different, uh, but – 
you know, there were parts of it, frankly, that were uh, were enjoyable. Other parts that that were not. Uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, by having the the sixty somewhat regular season games or sixty regular season games plus the the playoffs help keep some jobs for people because uh, you know at the end of the day. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's really the most heartbreaking part about all this is that there were people whose jobs were, uh, on the line or lost because we didn't have a full season or cause we didn't have fans, but there were some people whose jobs were, uh, even if temporarily saved because of a, a partial season. I think that's, uh, that's really important. What was, uh, what was the weirdest part of the season in your opinion? Well, I, I think so much of our job is uh, centered around you know human interaction, and that was incredibly limited. You know, I, I, I sometimes in the season I feel like you know I I spend time with thirty different members of the organization or the media more than I do my own wife. But uh, the reality is, I I barely saw anyone. Uh, you know, up close and, and had very little human, like face to face conversations. Uh, you know, that was, that was really different. And, you know, even with Matt and Eric, when we would call games, uh, you know, there'd be maybe a 10 minute stretch in the final hour leading up to first pitch where we would eat our pregame meal and be in a room together. Although, uh, be pretty, uh, pretty separated. But other than that, uh, we didn't see each other. Um, you know, we would talk over headset, but we were in different rooms and, uh, you know, I've, I've obviously in doing sports talk, I've interviewed people over the phone and you're having a conversation with someone and you can't see them. But, uh, I, I don't know that I've ever called a game in which my partner for, you know, two and a half plus hours is in a different room and not only in a different room, but just because of the structure of the booths, it's not like I could look to my right and, and see Eric or see Matt through a glass window. Uh, I couldn't see them at all. So that was probably the weirdest part. Obviously calling games without fans was, uh, was really weird. Uh, but, you know, I think that, that part, at least for me, I got used to uh, just the, the oddity of not really being able to see, the broadcast partner, whether it was Eric or Matt was, uh, was something that, uh, was tough and, and honestly did make the broadcast a, a little more challenging, not a ton more, but you know, you, you, the visual cues play such a role that, you know, the listeners don't realize it. Uh, and if you've never been on air, then maybe you can't fathom the significance of it, but the visual cues is such a big part of the chemistry and, and not being able to have that, uh, was definitely a challenge. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I had, years ago, I did a podcast with a buddy, and he moved to a different town. And when we were interviewing people, it was almost impossible to decide who was asking the next question and what where we were going to go when you can't see each other. And that was just for a 15-minute interview. I can't imagine a three-hour baseball game. Yeah, no, it was tough. But at the end of the day, listen, I mean, the reality is this, uh, and, and not to – uh, not to sound corny, but like, if that's our biggest issue, you know, I think we, we were really quick to realize during this time that, uh, there were people that had far bigger issues on their plate. Uh, and so, you know, if having to call a game without being in the same room was our biggest issue for that particular day or night, uh, then, you know, so be it. I, I think, you know, really specifically to our broadcast team, we had two people come down with covid uh, Matt Hicks and Ted Nichols Payne, our engineer, both are a little bit older. 
both probably in the age range where you know things could you know go uh, go wrong quickly, go south, and uh, they both experienced symptoms. Uh, I know it was not an easy process for them, but definitely thankful that both of those guys are healthy and uh, back to normal. Uh, they both got back to normal before the season ended. Uh, they're both back working, or at least you know Matt was before the year, and and Ted with his Cowboys responsibilities. So uh, that's definitely a, a good thing because that was uh, it was pretty scary for about a week uh, early on in the season with the condition of of each of them respectively. All right, so they let some fans in during the playoffs and then during the World Series at Globe Life Field. Um, did you get to be there for the World Series? And if you did, what was it like with a few fans in there during that? Yeah, I, I didn't go. Uh, I was actually not in the uh, the Metroplex uh, for all but one game. And uh, I did go to the uh, an NLDS playoff game. And, and uh, you know, I had the the opportunity to, to go to the World Series in the LCS. But, uh, you know, I chose to kind of hang out at home, uh, you know, as best as I know, the uh, you know the the feedback from fans as far as the game experience in the ballpark was was really positive, which was really neat. You know, and we did I guess thirty home games and then thirty road games from Globe Life Field, and we spent a whole lot of time staring, uh, you know, at the various parts of this new shiny toy with no fans in it. But the reality is, the ballpark of that size is meant to have fans and it's tough to really get a read without fans. And so it was really neat to see or hear some of the response from people, be it, you know, the, the average fan or or even someone like Joe Buck, uh, who, uh, you know, they all had great things to say. It it seemed like, so I'm excited for, uh, you know, as long as it's safe for fans to be able to experience the park next year, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, full capacity or not, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the health levels suggest uh, is is appropriate. You know, I'm excited for fans to experience that. And I think one one takeaway, it was more of a uh, reaffirmation of something that we all discussed. But you know, one of the the elements that we were told would be a big part of the you know the new ballparks uh, profile, if you will, was you know, it's going to be a smaller park and it's built up, not out. And so it's going to be a lot louder. And, and I had people tell me that at times with 10, 11,000 people inside Globe Life Field during the World Series, it got really, really loud. And, you know, that's with a really split crowd. You know, you had some Dodgers fans, you had some Tampa fans, then you had some just random baseball fans who wanted to go to a World Series game. Now imagine a crowd of 40,000 with 30 to 35,000 maybe being you know, Rangers fans, true Rangers fans. I mean, that place is going to be really loud and hopefully uh, the Rangers will have a, a home field advantage when, uh, when we're able to start packing that place. All right, let's move to the team for a minute. Were they as bad as they looked this year? Or do you think it was just an off year with everything that happened? Yeah. You know, Ben, obviously the record was not good. I mean, they, they're picking second in the draft uh, in June for a reason. Uh you know, in some cases, it's tough to know what this team really would have been when you consider that Corey Kluber gave this team one inning before he got hurt. And you really never got Willie Calhoun. You really never got Danny Santana, uh, two guys who were supposed to have a pretty big role. You lost your closer in the first week, uh, week and a half. You lost one of the guys who was supposed to be a, a key setup man in, in Edinson Volquez. I mean, it just 
this team was hit with injuries really, really quickly. I'm not saying that without those injuries, they're a playoff team. They obviously didn't perform well enough to earn that sort of, uh, uh, I guess, a cushion. But, uh, you know, it's it's tough. Like, how do you assess Joey Gallo's season? You know, he's a really streaky player. If you look at it uh, offensively, the numbers were not what you'd want them to be. But, uh, you know, with 100 more games and how streaky he is, you know, he very well could have ended the season over 160 games with what you'd consider to be normal or even good numbers for him. I mean, it just, it's so tough to know, but the reality is it wasn't a 162 game season. It was a 60 game season. And in that 60 game season, this team didn't perform well. Uh, and, you know, at times uh, defensively, you know, the beginning of the season, it seemed like they were costing themselves. Obviously the pitching was, uh, was tough to watch at some points you know, I think the, the biggest challenge for this team was that for the first time in a long, 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 long time in franchise history, this team was held back by its its offense. And this, you know, again, 60 games. So who knows over 162 what it would have looked like. But over 60 games, this was one of the uh, the more challenged lineups that this franchise has seen. And it's in large part because of some young guys who are getting acclimated and there are going to be some growing pains. But you also had guys who, you know, you expected more production out of than what you got. We mentioned Danny Santana. We mentioned Willie, mentioned Joey, uh, Robinson Torinos before he got traded. I think there was a lot of optimism. He would be, you know, a, a big contributor to some degree offensively. And, and that just wasn't the case. And, uh, you know, they also got little production. It didn't, it didn't matter who you put in the number three spot in the lineup. That spot was cursed. And it's really tough to, uh, have a lot of success offensively when you don't have a lot of success from some of those key spots in your order. Yeah, they did have really good pitching at the beginning of the year, like you said, but then the offense just wasn't able to do what it needed to do. And I think you're right because everyone goes through streaks. I think it, my person, I personally think it got in their head a little bit that it was a 60 game season and they had to perform right away. And I think that messed with Joey and maybe Chu and a few other ones. Yeah, that's that's definitely possible. I mean, that's the the crazy thing about the 60 game season is that there's just there's so much unknown. You know, a lot of people even admitted uh that maybe the ballpark got in their heads. You know, a lot of these players who have played for the Rangers are used to uh getting beat by a pitcher and still hitting a home run because of the way the ball carried at Globe Life Park, but a Globe Life Field, especially with the roof closed, it didn't seem to carry nearly as well and uh, you know, early on, we had some players acknowledge that, you know, they were thinking about it. And just the fact that they were willing to acknowledge it uh, is an indication that, you know, it might have been in their head. And maybe the pressures of the 60 game season and the sprints got in their head. You know, it's there are all sorts of factors. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I don't know that this team talent wise uh, had what it took to, to make the playoffs. Uh, and. You know, they had opportunity to kind of snap out of it. As a matter of fact, you know, what was it 20, 20 games into the season, a third of the, the way through, they were in first place in the division. And, you know, they were in first place in spite of the fact that defensively they had really had some struggles and offensively they had, you know, plenty of struggles. But uh, they, you know, even with that cushion, uh, they were unable to snap out of it. And, and they were in a weak division too. You know, the AOS was not a good division. Uh, the Astros in the regular season 
were under 500. There was only one team above 500. So there were some opportunities. They just couldn't snap out of it. Uh, but, you know, I will say this, Ben, towards the end of the season, the last three weeks maybe, you know, regardless of whether they were winning games or not, uh, they were playing a much better brand of baseball. Uh, and it was with a lot of these young guys like Leody Tavares and Sam Huff and, you know, obviously Nick Solak, who was there from the beginning. And, uh, you know, you started to see guys like Shirt and Apostle and Anderson Tejeda and uh, Eli White. And, you know, whether they were lighting up the box score or not, you saw athleticism, you saw really good defense. And, you saw some hope, uh, you know, you, you saw guys in the, in the field and then even on the mound with guys like Kyle Cody, uh, who, you know, make you think, Hey, you know, we got some guys who moving forward can be a part of the next wave of really good teams. And, uh, you know, again, even though they weren't lighting up the, uh, the wind column regularly over those final few weeks, I do think there was some excitement, uh, behind the guys in the lineup and the way they were playing. I agree with that. All right. Switch gears on you real quick. We are doing a, on my website, we're doing a Rangers sort of March madness style bracket on uh, who's the greatest Ranger of all time. Uh, my number one seeds are Pudge, Nolan Ryan, Adrian Beltre, and Michael Young. Do you think anyone can sneak in there and beat any of those guys? If we do our bracket, uh, you think anyone can beat them for the first spot in Rangers history? Well, I mean, the other name that, that jumps to mind and, and it wasn't over as large of a sample uh, two names, really. Did you mention Juan Gonzalez or no? No, he was a he was a two seed. Yeah. I had him as a two. Yeah, seed. I, I mean, you know, I, I think Juan is. I'm trying to. I want to make sure I'm not forgetting anyone. But during Juan's time with the Rangers, and and you know, I, you can say whatever you want about uh, how he achieved the success he achieved, but you know, he was maybe the most feared hitter in Major League Baseball, uh, and so. Um, you know, as great as Adrian Beltre was with the Rangers, I'd say Juan Gonzalez with the Rangers was a better hitter. Uh, and you know, he was, he was good in the outfield too. I, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It just doesn't seem like there's much of a relationship between the Rangers and Juan. And then, uh, as far as a snapshot, I mean, I, there's not a baseball player I've seen who's better than Josh Hamilton, uh, wearing a Rangers uniform. Now he didn't do it for 10 years. It was over a much smaller sample, uh, you know, that, uh, maybe that, that changes people's minds and obviously off the field. Uh, I don't know that he's someone that, uh, at this point we want to celebrate, but if you ignore all the off the field stuff, you just consider about the man in the uniform when he was wearing the uniform. Uh, that was a pretty special player. You know, I, I think, uh, I think Josh and Juan does certainly deserve some consideration. You know, Juan, want to achieve things with the Rangers that no one else has, has achieved. Uh, and uh, Josh certainly played a, a brand of baseball that has not been seen by anyone in a Rangers uniform. I'll tell you what, if you don't mind, I'll shoot you my bracket that I put together. You can take a look at it and tell me where I went wrong. I did that on a Rangers fan group. I'm part of, and I got lots of uh, feedback, some good, some not so good. So I'll, I'll shoot you what I've come up with and see what, yeah, you that'd be great. All right. Well, that was all I had for you, Jared. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. All right, man. Enjoy. Oh, uh, where can people find you? I know you have a YouTube channel and you do a podcast. Where can people check you out over the Yeah, I'm pretty good at annoying people on Twitter. So if you just follow me at Jared Sandler, I, I try my hardest to tweet out as much as possible. So uh, follow at your own risk. I will, uh, I will bug the 
the crud out of you. But uh, all that stuff, all the videos, the interviews, the podcast, uh, I'm, I, I make sure to put it on Twitter at Jared Sandler. Sounds great, Jared. Thanks, right, thanks so for having me, Ben. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.